Lent is an incredible moment in our spiritual lives. On the one hand, we are deliberately reminding ourselves of death, not in a negative way, but as a reminder by meditating on our mortality, we sense and realize the great preciousness of each day, the wonderful gift of life, and also that death is merely for Christians a portal to the world to come. It's being born. And so while we're here, we have this wonderful investment opportunity, so to speak, in ourselves, investing in ourselves by glorifying God with what we're uh, offering up to God in Lent and establishing the place in heaven that God wishes for us to be. And as C.S. Lewis once said, a small step can lead to the greatest consequences, the greatest gifts, and we don't even realize it. One step can begin a process that will change your life forever. I remember being in the 1980s working for the airline. I actually gave up TV for Lent. All we had was a VCR. It sounds like the 19th century. And I said, no, I'm not even going to tape things. Ooh, that was big. And I, I, I had this great job. I was 33 years old, and I wasn't married. I thought, well, I was debating between these two things. And it, I just realized at that moment that it was an empty life. It would lead to nothing. Nothing. If I stayed single, I wasn't going to do that. What was meaning? Do I? There's great meaning in what we do for, for a living, uh, but I was called to something else, and, and it, that, it was really that fast that brought me here. That's why I'm saying, who would have believed I was watching upstairs, downstairs, and I had to miss eight, eight installments of this, if any of you are old enough to remember this. And, uh, and it's just, it was like uh, it clicked something over, and this is the result. Um, Ash Wednesday, we, during Lent, we voluntarily give up something, and then that prepares us for the involuntary crosses. The, the imitation of Christ says, you may go where you will. You may strive to eliminate every cross. You may have everything perfectly arranged in your life, and still you will meet the cross. It's going to come whether we like it or not. So by, by doing something voluntarily, we're preparing ourselves for the involuntary crosses that we have. I had to change my homily because this morning I had a very horrible involuntary cross. As I get older, some of you don't understand this yet, and some of you do, I, I'm kind of falling asleep in my chair with the lights on. I, I used to not be able to fall asleep in a bed, but um, I woke up at four in the morning, and the trick is, this happened three times this week, I hate to admit this, um, and uh, I, it's not like I'm taking a sleeping pill, and you know, and and so I get up and immediately go to bed. Just take your glasses off, and that's. And go, if I wait too long, I'm too awake, and then it takes a long time to go back. Uh, and uh, so I woke up this morning. There's no glasses. Now I am, I am blind without these things. You can't find them without them. So I just I looked in all the usual places, not in the chair, not where I put them, not here, not there, not here. I thought I wore them to bed and they're ruined. You know, you go through all this thing. and it's, So I checked that it's a lazy boy kind of thing, you know, and I checked to see if they were mangled somewhere in there. They had to fall off in there. Nothing. Took, turned the chair upside down, shook it out, looked in all the pockets. And I, so I went out the car and got the second pair. I always put the old pair in the car because if the lens falls out, I can't drive, you know. Well, 
one eye. I'm not sure that's legal. Um, I really don't. But uh, you lose depth perception. You know, it's not a good thing. So immediately you start getting a headache. I said, Lord, I don't need a migraine. It's Ash Wednesday. I said, it's not your fault that I lost them, but you know where they are, and you're not telling me. <laughs> I started to get so mad, and uh, no coffee yet. And so it went about three hours, and I'm starting to get this headache, so I take Vanquish. I don't, I don't drink, but my dad was an alcoholic, and he said Vanquish took care of his, his hangover. So anyway, Vanquish is a really good thing. I took that. That kind of tamped it down. I said a prayer. I said, Lord, you know, I'll tell you what. I'm not giving up anything for life but my glasses. I've had it with you, you know, that kind of thing. So I, well, anyway, after, after saying those kind of things, not sinful, but borderline, um, <laughs> I turned that chair over for the fourth time, and they dropped right out. I said, you had some angels sitting on those things. But then, they, you know, they came out perfect. And out of a lazy boy, you know how, the, how much gears and stuff were in that thing? So I, anyway, I've got them on now. But it, it occurred to me that by t- being trained in that of patience, something I'm in short supply of, uh, we're prepared for the involuntary sacrifices that are going to come to all of us. You all know what I mean. There are some really tough things that come down the pike. We can't escape it. Life is about uh, crosses. You may not be religious, but all, all of us here are searching for God. We're all here for that purpose. You know, we're in various stages of, of development. We're all different. We have, there are different levels in heaven. There are 12 choirs of angels. We are destined to take the place of one of those choirs. God has a perfect place for you, a perfect happiness, and our goal is to do the will of God and achieve that place. Christ talks constantly about getting rich in heaven, and the way we do it is by giving ourselves away on earth. Little self-sacrifices. An example of an involuntary sacrifice is tried is a number of times I've gone to the hospital for a death emergency or something. You cut down Front Street. This happened about four times down here to kind of, um, you know, kind of, uh, uh, it's a little quicker. And then you get to that one part down there at the end and you hear, ah, ah, train coming. Down come the gates. You can't turn around. A log truck, 15 minutes, and you're sitting there, and then it stops and backs up. Why do log trucks back up? And, but, you know, you, you, you can't do anything. And, again, now that's an involuntary sacrifice, but we do these voluntary ones. And our Lord makes it clear. He says, uh, now, hypocrite in the time of Greece originally meant an actor. He puts on one face. They often literally would have a face on a, on a pole. And that's, they were an actor. That's a hypocrite. Putting on one face when you're acting and then you're somebody else when you put it off. It wasn't derogatory. But Christ, by the time of Christ, a hypocrite is a two-faced individual. And so our Lord says, the things that you do without a reward, without knowing who's, what you're going to get out of it, I will reward you almost infinitely. If you do it for show or for others to notice, they may notice, but if you're doing it on purpose, you've got your reward. Wait till we get to heaven. You're going to wish we did. We're all going to wish we did a lot more, but it's hard to do that. Um, when you give alms, he doesn't say if you give alms, and it's, there's two kinds. There's the 
the spontaneous ones where you go to the store and they say, can I round this up, you know, 70 cents? That's, that's spontaneous giving. Planned giving is tithing, and tithing is an investment. What you're tithing in, whether it's St. Ed's or something else, uh, I have a percentage to each one, you know, uh, it comes back to you in this world and the next. Watch for it. It's not always monetary, but that's, you know, investing in stocks, you think that's important? This pays a dividend that never ends. All these gifts that we give to others, our time, uh, uh, just taking time to listen to somebody, maybe told the story six times, some relative, you know, that's, that's, that is like gold to God. That's almsgiving. Almsgiving is money, but it's a lot more than that. It's, it's my self-sacrifice for somebody I love. Think about it. You all have had opportunities for that. Uh, when you pray, I, I used to say, gosh, it's good to pray an hour a day. This is 21 years ago. started as a priest. Some lady came up to me and she said, Father, I'm tired of you saying that. The only, she had six children. She said, the only way I can pray is going in the bathroom and turning the fan on for five minutes. Does that sound familiar to some of you? I don't have any kids, but I learned. You know, some of you can pray an hour of adoration. Some don't, aren't called to that. We have this wonderful place to come and pray. It's a safe spot, you know. It's just wonderful. We're so blessed here. But praying... Turn the radio off in the car for 40 days. Try that for a change. Just pray. How about that? Pray when you go through a door frame. You know, Jesus, I love you. Try that throughout the day. Little, little things. Um, when you're in line, pray the rosary. You know, pray a decade or something. Use your fingers. Um, there's all kinds of ways we can do this. But if I'm not praying, if I have a friend or a spouse and I'm not talking to them, what's going to happen? further and further apart. So God wants us to talk to him. I talk to Jesus throughout the day. Thank God for cell phones. You know, I get that out. Nobody thinks that they don't know who I'm talking to. I used to talk to myself, probably looked like I belonged over, you know, in some place for, uh, for, well, for help. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, you know, but, uh, I, I do. I talk to God throughout the day. He likes us just talking with him like, a friend, not just our fathers and Hail Marys, but friendship. Um, when you fast, oh, by the way, with prayer, I'm going to say this here and not on Sunday. Father Tim suggested it down the road. Um, uh, it, I had to leave early at Mass for over a year when I was caring for my mother who was dying. I did that for quite a while. I got a leave of absence from my company. And um, I had to leave after communion. I had to leave her alone. I was scared to even go to Mass, but I did. Um, and uh, I probably could have gotten an indult, you know, not to even go to Mass during that period. But um, I, so I never judge. We never know what's going on. But if I do it every week habitually, I am not only uh, encouraging others to sin, but just imagine you're having dinner with God. Imagine you're come to, I come to your house for dinner, right? And I come at the last minute. Now, that's, that's okay. We all come in pretty much close to Mass time. But uh, socially, the biggest gaffe we, you can possibly do is to get up before the dessert and say, see you later, you know, uh, and uh, you wouldn't be invited back. Now, we're having dinner with God every week. Now, you know, it's not a really good thing to offend him like that. Uh, those are little things, but it means a great deal to God, you know. Um, and... Uh, so when it, you know, we come to fasting, nobody likes to fast. Um, actually, if you're over a certain age, you get out of it, which I am. <laughs> Look in the bulletin for further information. But, but uh, we all have to fast. Uh, and fasting is, the greatest fasting is sin. 
again, we're going to be having a conversation with the Lord. I always, the first three days, I'm trying things out. I'll be honest with you. I don't settle down until Sunday. Some, if you blow it, just get up and keep going. Um, if you need to change gears at some point during Lent because it's not working, try something else. You know, um, fasting is often what is that that area of disorder that needs to be corrected. Um, maybe I'm eating too much or I'm addicted to something, gambling or whatever, uh, pornography. Uh, there are, um, I'm going to start working on this. I'm going to talk to God about it. Uh, this is going to be a priority for me. What does Jesus really want from me? He wants to help us. These are not things to hurt us. That's going to bless us for the rest of our lives. Um, so uh, we have an opportunity here. It's really an investment opportunity. It's a kind of reset. I'll finish with one little last story. Um, on Saturday, I tried to change the lights to blue, and they, this thing was locked up. I hate this computer. We get this thing paid off. That's going to be changed. But it, it locks up. And I, there's 10 little reset holes under there, and I took a paper clip and put five of them in there. I couldn't find it. So finally, Jim Lyman showed me where it was, and I forgot already again. But I had to reset the system to get the lights to work again. And that's what, this is exactly what Lent is. Like a computer, we're doing a reset. And uh, Lent is what we make of it. If, if we don't want to do anything, you know, it's not a sin, but it's also a lost investment opportunity, and we, we don't know how many more we have. That's precisely why we get ashes now, is a reminder of our mortality, which makes life very, very precious. Each day from God is an incredible gift, and uh, someday we will wish we had used our time more wisely, myself included. It's very hard to see that, but we do get a chance to look and thank God for a good Lent.